Hello and welcome to Home to Her, the podcast that's dedicated to reclaiming the lost and stolen wisdom of the sacred feminine. I'm your host, Liz Kelly, and on each episode, we explore her stories and myths, her spiritual principles, and most importantly, what this wisdom has to offer us right now. Thanks for being here. Let's get started. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the show. I'm Liz, joining you from Central Virginia and the unceded lands of the Monica Nation, and I am so glad that you are here with me. So before we dive in today, I want to remind you that my new book, Home to Her, Walking the Transformative Path of the Sacred Feminine, is now available for pre-order from Womancraft Publishing. Woohoo! This book is my love note of sorts to the sacred feminine, and it's been informed by my own years of research, plus personal experiences, and a lot of the insights that my podcast guests have brought to me over the years. Um, And, you know, if you are pre-ordering, we've got some fun perks for you, which includes a recorded Great Mother Meditation, which is based on my own personal practice. And Lucy Pierce, the founder of Womancraft Publishing, will be turning the tables and interviewing me about my experience with writing the book and hosting this podcast. And we'll be taking your questions. It should be a lot of fun. So uh, you can learn more and pre-order the book at womancraftpublishing.com. I will put that in the show notes. And now let's get on with our conversation. So if you listen to the show regularly, then you've probably heard me say on more than one occasion how lucky I feel to be in conversation with so many inspiring and powerful individuals. It is humbling and awe-inspiring. And honestly, after every one of these conversations, I walk away feeling inspired and with more hope for our future than ever before, which I feel like is kind of a big thing to say given the state of the world. <laughs> and. I also cannot state this plainly enough either. The sacred feminine has not been erased in our world. That is like a storyline that we have, but I just feel like every person I talk to on this show demonstrates that that is not true. She is a living, vibrant reality, and she is walking among us right now, embodied in so many beautiful people. And that is especially true of how I feel about my guest today. So let me introduce her to you. Joanna Rivera is a mother, song, and womb alchemist, community herbalist, and women's health educator. She weaves a beautiful tapestry of women's knowledge, the scientific with the intuitive, the political with the spiritual. She believes in a women's health approach that includes physical, emotional, and spiritual health. Since 2015, she has accompanied women in sacred feminine wisdom circles and one-on-one intuitive sessions where she holds a safe, earthy, and nurturing space to be in co-creation with your inner rhythms and ground into nourishing, deep rest, and self-care. I just want to be like, ah, just even reading that. Originally from Puerto Rico, she now lives in Oslo, Norway, and she is joining us from her home there today. Joanna, thank you so much for being here. I'm so glad you're with us today. Thank you. Thank you. That was heartwarming. Mm-hmm. I know. Well, just reading your background or your, your bio, I'm like, oh, oh, I can't. There's so many threads that I know we're going to be able to pick up in this conversation. Um. Mm. But I, the place that I usually love to start with my guest is just to hearing a little bit about your spiritual background, you know, and what that evolution has been like for you. So what were you exposed to 
as a child and you know how did that evolve I suppose to where you are today mm. yeah well I've been yeah reflecting on this uh, journey that has brought me from Puerto Rico to Norway uh, I'm born and raised in, in Puerto Rico uh, in the capital Puerto Rico, which is like a big city, but my grandparents were from both sides, from the countryside, from the mountains, from, you know, you say in touch with nature, they were agricultural people, landkeepers, and then they were also first generation displaced into the city for work, for, you know, because of the industrialization of the island, and so my my first memories of spirituality was watching my grandmother praying the rosary and you know like i was i was thinking i i was really called to that spiritual that devotion like she would tell me you know she would uh, sit there and she would say if you pray the rosary every day you will gain a piece of heaven i always remember that and she was every day with her rosary at 12 o'clock praying. And I really uh, hold that in, in my heart from the memories. And of course, I mean, I have to say it was the, I was uh, raised in the Catholic Church with the, the image of Mary uh, and also that submissive kind of, you know, aspect of being the mother, being the, you know, the... Yeah. Yes. quiet one or that day, you know, uh, but now as I, you know, reflect on it, it's like, yes, Mother Mary, it's part of the lineage of the sacred feminine, you know, that, that we are reclaiming now. And, yes. and I was raised also music was a big part of my spiritual, uh, upbringing, uh, spiritual and practical because I was singing in the church choir as uh, an eight-year-old and I did that until I was 30. So so that was a big part of my spirituality, singing, uh, the one who, who sings pray twice, you know, all this, um, again, devotion. So I would say like devotion, ritual, um, yeah, Mother Mary in a way as a feminine uh, figure uh, and then the part of music that I also wanted to say because it's tied also with my work now is the is the drumming or the not the drumming at, at an early stage but my dad is a percussionist oh, so wow. I I was raised with percussion since I you know I can recall uh, but that was not for women because you would uh, deform your hands, you know, playing the congas, which is what my dad played. So I was allowed to listen and to kind of, you know, be with it, but I was never taught to that, you know, that legacy wasn't passed directly uh, from my dad to me. And this is, again, one of the things that I am claiming now you know that lineage and now that i know all the aspects of the spirituality of of drumming of you know how uh, 
it was uh, used, and maybe we can talk about that later if you want. Yes, uh, definitely. But yeah, I want to come back to that. But yes, please keep going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but so when I reflect about it, those are the threads, you know, that uh, 30, 40 years later, I am, uh, you know, sitting here with you, and I can, you know, weave the thread back from, you know, from when I was a child, like a very small child. Mm -hmm. Yeah, music, prayer, Mm -hmm. devotion. Yes, and I love that you can see that thread. Um, You know, I, 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 I know for me, growing up in a Christian tradition, it has taken me a really long time to see the thread, as you said, because at first I just saw... Um, the oppression of women's voices, and especially growing up in a Protestant tradition like I did, there Mary is not even there. You know, she's just like she didn't even exist. Like you talk about her at Christmas, and that's it. Um, so, but it's it, it has taken me some time to see how the different experiences I had growing up, whether I understood it at the time, I understand now how it's sort of leading me here. So I, I love reflection on that. Um, and I wonder if you could speak to, a, you know, the the divine feminine, the sacred feminine, and I'd be curious what words you choose for that too, um, like what words feel good in your heart, but how you began to really know her as an adult and how she began to show up in your life in a more powerful way. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting because, yeah, I started with a very kind of, you know, where I'm now, where I can see the threat. But it is also true that I really had this moment of of what you're explaining, like witnessing the oppression, like, okay, like everything that I knew to be true is, you know, it's a lie. And the oppression of woman and how woman cannot be as equally participating in, you know, in society, in church, in spirituality, when I became a mother, that was a really, that's when I broke up with Christianity, I, I think. Yeah. Because uh, I don't know the embodied experience of, of giving birth and being, you know, in a different country and being without my family and having to take care of a new human and not knowing, you know, where I, I stood, it was a big realization for me. And again, everything I knew to be true, even my spirituality, which was a big, you know, I think it was so hard because it was a big part of, of who I was, you know, and, and it's a threat. Spirituality is what kept me uh, kind of throughout my whole life. When I moved from Puerto Rico into the United States, I, you know, I was with the Jesuits, the priests uh, there. That was a big part of, you know, that transition when I moved into Iraq. And, you know, again, was like homeless spirituality, the Christian community in, in Iraq. Again, the Jesuits, you know, uh, were part of that. And then I came to Norway and became a mother and then, I had to, you know, I had to kind of cut that because I realized the ways that we had been 
undermine, suppress um, the violence against women. Because when I was working in Iraq, I was working with environmental and women's rights. And I was working with water issues. And I met with the indigenous communities from Iraq and from all over the world who were struggling to keep their water resources. And I, and I saw how the water was a spiritual connection mm. to the people. And, you know, it all made sense. That moment, I say, when the portal opened and I became the source, you know, of I see it now as like that. But when it happened, I did it. But when I became that portal of life, which is what every ancient tradition, you know, saw as, uh, as the earth, the woman's bodies, you know, how our woman's bodies were sacred, how the elements were sacred. And then I started to kind of weave the threads of, you know, and, and researching about the, the feminine and, you know, how women were the healers, women were the birth keepers, women were the, you know, the tenders of life and death. And because I, I saw how women were treated during birth, even, you know, even here. Yes. Uh, the medicalization. Oh, yeah. The, you know, the decision-making power the inequality in the decision-making power. So all those things kind of, you know, made the way for, yeah, for trying to build a different understanding and based on my activism and my exposure to different, uh, yeah, uh, worldviews that I had when I was in Iraq and mm -hmm. it kind of all made, you know, it fell into place. Yes. Well, one thing I wanted to ask you about too, you referenced it here, but just could you speak a little bit more about your activism work? Um, so you were working with, was it with a, non a nonprofit or an NGO around water uh, water rights? Yeah, at the time I was working, uh, yeah, in two, two different projects simultaneously. One was a transboundary water issues, which is issues between countries. Uh, Turkey and, and Iraq, who shares the Tigris River. Uh, yeah, so it was um, for uh, rights to water that Turkey wouldn't, you know, um, send water into Iraq. So there were, you know, human rights and environmental uh, rights being violated. So we did a lot of work with the indigenous communities in both sides uh, against uh, the building of the dam. The dam was built in the end anyway, but there was a lot of grassroots organizing from the people to the government. Wow. And what was your experience like as a woman in that, in that culture in Iraq? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's a bit, um, there's uh, both good and bad. Uh, things there's a lot of yeah oppression of women. Women cannot you know study. They cannot marry who they want. Their families kind of arrange uh, you know who they they will marry with. Uh, we were working with um, 
honor killings, with child marriages. Wow. Um, yeah, what positive I'm trying to think. I mean, woman is still the center of the family, you know, there's a lot of conservative um, things. Um, the, the good, the good part that I was, I was seeing is like I was living in the Kurdish region, so they were trying to, you know, to keep their identity as Kurdish people, as opposed to uh, South. There had been, I mean, there's a lot of history of genocide and, yeah. um, you know, oppression of minorities. So, and this was 2012, 13 when I left. This was before the whole um, ISIS uh, mm -hmm. thing, but the the part that I was living and working was very safe in in the Kurdish region in the north. But I got to see the contrast also between the north and the south. So if you compare the north and the southern north, it's very progressive, it's very secular, mm -hmm. where the south is very like I had to go with the abaya, you know, with the whole um, dress to to cover uh, myself. Um, wow. Yeah. I'm trying to think some more of the positive. But, I mean, it's a beautiful culture with a beautiful uh, cultural tradition. You know, they still have the drumming, playing, you know, music is a big part of the, of the culture. Hospitality is uh, I felt more at home in Iraq and less of a culture crash than here in Norway. I think that's yeah. what I was thinking in terms of positive, you know, it's a culture because what we see in the news about Iraq is so like, it's like the whole country is like a time bomb. It's not yeah, like that, you know? Ask. Yeah. 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 Like it's 10, I, I had been in Baghdad, you know, it's 10 million people in Baghdad. It's like, it's not like you're going to be targeted, mm -hmm. like, you know, one in a 10 million chance. So yeah, that's the other part I wanted to say that it's very, you know, people are very uh, tending, you know, uh, to you as a guest, they will give their lives to, to protect you, you know, they feed you, they host you, you know, I went there, like not having anyone and I was taken care the whole three years I lived there. So wow. yeah, that's to put things, you know, in the, in a context in balance. Wow. Thank you for asking. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, I, um, yeah, there's much of what you said just about like, you know, the, portal, you know, like sort of birth being a portal to this different way of being and, um, you know, awakening that, that feminine part, divine feminine. I, what, what, what would you say? Would you say divine feminine, sacred feminine, goddess, none of the above? What would, how do you, how do you talk about this? <laughs> I, I talk about the mother, the sacred mother. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The mother earth, the, the waters, the womb of life, the web of life. Okay. Yeah, that's constantly shifting, but that's kind of, it's more like an earth living, you know, nurturing being. Mm, yes, I love that. Well, and I, I wonder, I, 
this weaving, this metaphor of weaving, which you've used already. I'm, I'm feeling that. So I'm, I'd love to just weave in. You referenced it earlier, but um, about the history of women drumming and just how that also came back into your life as a as a spiritual practice. And if that's not the right way to say it, then please correct me. But that's yeah. Yeah, no, that's exactly yeah. <laughs> the how I feel about it. It came back as a spiritual practice. I reclaimed it from. I say you know, intuitive drumming, which is how I, I call it. Um, it's not about performance or perfection. It's about devotion and divine. And that's how I, that was kind of my big reclaiming. You know, this is not about performing in a drum. This is not about how my voice sounds, even though, you know, I struggle all of my life with this, you know, yes. performance, competitive, you know, choir. And when I reclaim that this is devotion, this is uh, spiritual practice, it just shifted my whole, you know, relationship with, with the drum. And I want to say a lot, but um, I have to honor, perhaps starting with honoring the, the lineage, which, which I have learned this is uh, Lane Redmond. It's a, uh, American percussionist uh, who wrote the when the women were drummers. This yeah, uh, yes. the drummer were women. I um, been on my list to read for so long, and you're going to get me to do it. I I I'm like I'm I'm hungry to read it. I have the longest list of books, but I really really so, want to read this one. Yeah, this because it's and again it's weaving. I, I love this word. It's like. She's weaving the spiritual history of rhythm, of drumming. And it's about when the woman were drummer, she goes into four main of the goddess cultures. She starts in Sumeria with Inanna, Summer, Egypt with Isis, Anatolia, which Alessandra spoke a lot with Sibele, Sibele. Yes, and uh, Alessandra Belloni, who's been on the show before. Yes, correct. Yeah. Yeah. And then the fourth culture is uh, the Indus Valley culture, India, yes. where were all the goddesses, Saraswati, and she describes the goddesses. And what I love is that she weaves the drumming as a ritual and as a political tool. Women were the priestesses. They had political power because they were custodians of the spiritual life of their community. So they were using drumming for tending to life, death, rebirth, goddess, um, devotion. And they said, she says, the priestesses were, were the connection between the divine and their community. They were just like, you know, that portal and they were using drum and rhythm to, you know, to shift their consciousness and connect to the goddess. And yeah, again, it's like, a, it doesn't go in a lot of detail into the goddess, but it goes into the ritualistic and the drumming part. And she has a lot of pictures and 
for example, here she says uh, there was in, in Ur, Uruk, in Iraq, in uh, uh, the, the goddess, to the goddess Inanna, let the drum and the tambourine resound. Let the sweet tiki music be played. Let all the lands proclaim my noble name. Let my people sing my praises. And this was like talking about Inanna, you know, it's yeah. how she should be welcome with the drum. And uh, for me, it just speaks about the this connection between the political and the spiritual and how women were taking their power when they were taking the drums away, you know? Yes. They cannot drum anymore, so they cannot hold that space for their community. Yes. Yes. I, so one thing that's coming up as you're talking is I'm thinking how beautiful it is that you had the opportunity to be in Iraq, which I don't know if a lot of people know, but we, we know what we hear on the news, right? And But the just absolutely rich and incredible divine feminine goddess history that comes out of that part of the world. So how special that you were to be able to be there, including a culture that has like this ancient drumming lineage, which I don't know if that was calling to you while you were there at all or not, but how beautiful that you no. were there and where you are now. Yeah. Yeah. And I was in the Sigurat, you know, where the ancient temple of Isis was supposed to be before even the Sigurat. But at that time, I, I didn't know. Wow. <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. So now it feels very special, you know, very like... Yeah, I needed to be there. Yes. And I, and I guess another question for you is when you drum now, do you feel do you feel some of that history in your bones and in your blood? Like do you feel sort of that that lineage? Like I have a friend who talks about um you know, we have our ancestral lineage, right? Which is who we come from, our parents and our grandparents and all of that. And that gives us something, but that we also have a soul family lineage too that we are connected to and sometimes that comes through in like art and particular spiritual practices and so I wonder if you feel that way at all with the with the drumming yeah I feel definitely that earth you know connection speaking through me and speaking through the drum and of course I feel the the connection with my ancestors who were keeping this lineage, you know, my dad, his dad, and yes. all that had to happen when I think about that, all that had to happen for that to be here now. It's like, that's what I, I want to honor. That's what I want to, yeah, you know, show my devotion to. Um, and of course, uh, for me, it's the earth. For me, it's devotion to the earth. Many Different people have different, you know, the Black Madonna and the work of Alexandra, other people to Isis or to Inanna. But I feel sometimes this energy weaving through, like Inanna, for example. Yeah. Uh, but most of the times for me is is the earth that is speaking through through me, through my world, through the drum, the drum. And I, I wanted also to speak to, because we haven't uh, touched on it, to this piece of the voice, the drumming, but also the voice. Yes. I don't know if you 
want us to go? Yes, please say yes. Talk to me about that and what comes up for you with that. Because I, I feel for the longest time I was thinking that I, you know, that I don't sing this or that. And now I, that I have all this reframe of the sacred feminine and again, the earth, I feel like, you know, we're part of that weaving of, of the earth, of the web of life. And, and this I got from Annie Williams, which is a, a musician and, and she's been in Egypt. She talks about the sacred feminine. She speaks about us being part of the web of life and us being the creatresses and the ch chantress, you know, and, and having that power through our voice or to create the sacred, to, you know, to speak the sacred. And when we don't do that because, I mean, and you do it through this podcast, you're using your voice, you're using your, your power to create. Yeah. life and we, we don't do that because we think we can't sing we can't you know we can't be in tune or whatever is the story that we have we, we are we are removing ourselves from the web of life from our frequency our intentions our love you know to to be spread to be that those priestesses that were so, so for me, singing and drumming are very interconnected. Mm -hmm. it, it's, uh, yeah, it, they're one and the same in a way, at least how, how I feel it. Like, like for me, when I pick the drum, I have to sing also. Mm -hmm. uh, but I mean, it, it takes practice, of course, and it takes devotion, it takes intention. But yeah, I just wanted to put that that piece of weaving ourselves into the song of life. Um, and Adi says something about like each animal, each tree, each bird has a sound, whether audible or not, that weaves, you know, like we are co-creating. It's I, That's how I understand it. Yes. And when I don't sing, when I don't speak, I'm not part of that co-creation. You know, it's like, what else, you know, do we need to tell ourselves to, you know, yes, yes. to stop us from singing, from drumming, from being together, from. This resonates with me so, so much. I think, um, I think one of the real, there's many tragedies of our current patriarchal capitalist system, but one of those, I think, is the idea that, um, you know, song and um, all forms of art are like that. That skill set is held by a very small group of people, always men, um, usually white men, and that and there's another body of critics, right, who decide what is good and what is not good. And if you're not, um, you know, if you're not a master based on that kind of perspective and also it's validated back to you by like, you know, I don't know, getting a record contract or a million followers or whatever, then it's not worth doing. And it's, it's a tragedy really. I mean, I, and I, I really feel that in what you're saying too, like how important it is that we, that we claim 
um, our voices. And I, I don't know if you feel this way, but like I would even include creative voice to include all forms of artwork too, like painting and poetry and like, you know, just allowing it to move through us, right? Because that's a divinity, isn't it? Like wanting to express itself through us. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yes, there was something else I wanted to say about that and I can't... But, you know, it flew out of my head. So we'll see if it comes back. Um, I do want to ask you, too, because you've mentioned the earth and this deep connection to the earth that is, you know, woven into the feminine for you, um, how that is expressing itself to you in terms of, um, well, in, in terms of lots of ways. But I would love to know um, your work with plants. I know that you do some work with um, plant wisdom. And, and so I'd love to hear a little bit about that from you as well. Well, in concrete terms, I yeah, I work with um, flower essences um, while, while crafting, you know, uh, collecting plants from where here where I'm planted. Because part of it for me is the intuitive connection and that kind of communication. That hmm, hey, how are you? Do you want to you know come with me? Um, or like, what is your, you know, like, what is your medicine? And what I've realized is that many of the plants that grow here are plants to support womb health, mm. like raspberry leaf, ladies mantle, yarrow, mugwort, and these are plants that were witch plants, like the woman, you know, the herbalists, the midwives were using to accompany and support birth, abortion, you know, all these uh, uh, menstruation, menopause, all these rites of passage. These are the plants that are growing around me. And it's like, hmm, I'm noticing, you know, and I mean, since uh, I gave birth, I've been interested in woman's health, you know, the politics of the body, reclaiming woman's wisdom. So having these plants as guides and, you know, supporting my work, it's been really humbling and really like, okay, like I'm supposed to, you know, to share this, this work, this wisdom, work with uh, steaming, you know, herbal steaming, pelvic steaming, breast uh, massage, you know, oils for breast and boob massage. Uh, I mean, herbs are kind of, you know, like been supporting us since we are here. Mm -hmm. This is, this was our pharmacy before. And so just, you know, learning, being in relationship for me is a big piece of what I do. That's why I like to use the plants that grow here, you know, like I keep noticing new plants. It's like, there, there's one that I noticed, I think the last two years, it's called Shepherd's Purse. It's an anti-hemorrhagic anti for, you know, if you are having a hemorrhage during your birth. So this is a plan to support uh, that. I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, like, wow. and, and, you know, I start with the, from a place of curiosity and I don't, you know, like, I don't use a plant if I don't know exactly. I use it more, for example, I start with the flower essence, which is more like an energetic support. So 
how is this plant, you know, supporting my emotional health? Because uh, flower essences, as opposed to other, you know, like teas and herbal oils and tinctures, flower essences are the energetic. It's kind of capturing the personality of the flower and that kind of interacting with your personality will have like, you know, an affinity. So for example, yarrow is for boundaries. Um, another one that I use, borage for the heart. You know, there are all these plants that you know, are supporting the heart, the heart health, the emotional health. Um, ladies mantle for womb healing, you know, for trauma during birth, but, but working at the emotional uh, level. So, so it's uh, um, called vibrational medicine. So you can take it, children can take it, um, pets can take it. And it's something that works more like the energetic and, and emotional. And, you know, some people use it also to kind of detangle programming that we have against not being worthy, you know, not being enough. Yes. Um, yeah. So... Well, and I, it's so it is, um, cause this is an area that's really interesting to me and also, um, like just brand new at understanding any of this. I know that I felt for me and I'm lucky now I've got some space to, to grow some things on my own, you know? So, but I know that for me, I've intuitively felt that it's important that I find things local, like that I, as opposed to not that there's anything wrong everybody you do you people but um like as opposed to just ordering something online and having it shipped to me there's something that i personally am meant to learn by being in very close relationship here um and at the same time it all feels really daunting because i i feel like i know nothing you know like i'm just brand new and and so i'm, I'm wondering for you if um like maybe could you give us could you give us an example of sort of um, like how a, a plant has kind of evolved and opened up as a teacher to you and like what that what that relationship forming has has looked like? Mm. Yeah. Well, um, the quintessential one that I love is Rose. Mm. Rose is wow. She is like a. I mean, she's connected in the kind of mythology to the goddess, to Mary, you know? And when you look at Rose, she's gentle. Her fragrance is like, so like intoxicating. And also she has thorns. Yes. So it's like the physical appearance tells you how it does, you know, in the energetic, in the emotional. And for me, and she's connected to the womb and the heart. These are the two feminine wisdom centers. So rose to protect the heart with the thorns and to support the womb, to support the creative, the luscious, the pleasure, the, you know, yeah, the creativity, the amazingness. Because when you think about the flower, she's like not having any hesitation to bloom. She's just blooming and being beautiful. And that's, that's for me also like something like, okay, you are just beautiful and 
you don't have to ask anyone, am I beautiful? Like you don't have to ask for recognition, for permission. You're just like that, you know? And yeah, I feel like she's like really supported me. Like when I'm feeling grief or sadness, it's like rose. And another one I use is Tulsi, her plants of the heart, mm. you know? And also like when you, when you drink a tea, just sit with it and smell it and see how it, you know? feels in your body where in your body do you feel it just you know for curiosity do you feel it in your heart do you feel it in your chest you know when you feel it in your hips in your legs tingling warm you know and that will tell you how that plant wants to interact and support you yes and also i, I pay attention to the thoughts because that also tells me a lot. It's like plants speak through the heart and you know, you might have images, you might have thoughts that come that, hmm, interesting, you know? Just being curious, being open and intentional. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that helped. Yes, well, you know, as I, a couple of things came up for me as you're saying that. Um... I find this happens to me a lot where I think maybe sometimes I intuitively know things before I know that I know them. Do you know what I mean? Like, so as you're talking, I'm like, oh, right. Um, when I lived in California, I had the most amazing rose bushes and they did so well. They just, they, they didn't need a lot of water, which was good because we were perpetually in drought and they were stunning and beautiful and just the fragrance would knock you over. My gosh. And the thorns were gigantic. I mean, none of these that you're going to buy in the grocery store. You really had to be careful with them. Um, but those roses, and I had never been a rose kind of person from like a decorative flower, but oh my gosh, it was the best thing. Every spring I was like on Rose Watch to see when they were going to bloom. And of course, this is when the divine feminine was really starting to bloom in my life at the same time. Um, and then I later I learned, bling. I know, right? And then I later learned, you know, that, I mean, the rosary is, it's a garland. It started out as garlands of roses and flowers that were woven for goddesses, you know? So everything that you're saying is making just so much, makes so much sense to me. And it makes me wonder if I, and then maybe listeners, you know, collectively we, we know more than we're giving ourselves credit for, you know, or like things are perhaps calling to us in ways that, we didn't even realize, but then when we stop back, we step back and we look, we're like, oh, okay, that's what was happening. Yeah. And it's just opening to beauty, opening to abundance. It's like I've learned so much, you know, about abundance and just picking the raspberries. It's like, you know, this is here. It's just like paying attention and you know, it's like a, a, a gift and, and now everything is so, you know, the flowers and the berries and it's like paying attention, being intentional. And that's showing us how, I don't know, I feel like as, as a woman also and as an image of the earth, 
We are also worthy. We are also abundant. We are also beautiful. Yeah. I don't know. Yes. Oh, yes, definitely. Um, yeah. I was also thinking, too, when I was in Ireland earlier this spring, um, I felt like nettles were following me everywhere, and it was unusual because it's you know for those of you who know what nettles look like it's a it's not flowering it's not like a you know like a rose is really like look at me look how pretty i am you know it's a green plant that will sting you and um i i saw them growing actually outside of a neolithic grave like a neolithic um tomb like oh my gosh what are those underground tombs i'm drawing i'm drawing a blank on what they're passage passage tombs passage graves not Newgrange, which is the really famous one in um, Ireland, but another one. I saw them there, and then I saw them everywhere. I felt like they were kind of following me around, which was super interesting. So, um, so then I've been learning more about them, of course. And you know, I've learned, and in some ways, I feel like there's a sim- similar to the rose in that it's extremely nurturing, and yet it's got very clear boundaries, right? Because it will sting you. So. And like, and what a powerful message, you know, like, yeah. yes, self-love, self-care, so much nurturing to give and, and <laughs> don't mess with me. Setting your, yeah. Setting your yeah. boundaries. Yeah. yeah. I feel the same. Yeah. And nettle to me is also like drop the drama, mm. <laughs> you know, like. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love that. Hmm. Well, and I, I want to ask you too, um, and I don't know if you felt like this on your own journey or if it's, if it's, you know, been kind of easier for you, but, but I'm curious in case any listeners feel like this too, like some of the things that we are talking about, I know at least for me, um, I didn't get any exposure to any of this growing up. Like there's no discussion of plant wisdom, there's no discussion of like, you know, sacred voice and singing and, um, connections to the earth and all of that. There was none of that. And so I, I think that sometimes it can feel really daunting like, where do we, oh God, there's so much we don't know. Where do we start? And so I wonder if you felt like that at all, have felt like that at all. And if you might have any, um, you know, insights to share with, with listeners on like, where do we, you know, if we're sort of overwhelmed by what we don't know, like, where do we, where do we begin? Hmm. Yeah. There's so much to say, but like, go with where your curiosity takes you and also start with one plant you know for many for a long time i was just like nettle and dandelion you know mm-hmm. nettle and dandelion and there's also seasons so you know it's like nettle and dandelion and then comes a rose and then comes a yarrow And then you start to pay attention to the cycles and then you start to pay attention to the seasons and then you start to pay attention to your inner seasons. I'm tired now. Mm, Boundaries, nettle. Mm, Maybe I want to take a nap, you know, like maybe that's okay. That's my boundary now. Uh Or maybe I want to make a tea or, you know, and taste this. So very simple, very curious, um, very local, small. And then for me, what's, what's been really helpful or 
synchronicity is what I wanted to say. Um, you know, going with the cues, like we're talking about nettle, you know, and then you go to the shop and you find the nettle tea and it's like, okay, nettle tea or yeah, someone comes uh, with the roses and you're like, hmm, roses, like let us explore or like, I don't know, like a book, you know, and has the title of the roses or... Yes. You know, things like that, or like you're in conversation with a friend and you're like, oh, you know, I, I'm i working with nettle and she's like, oh, yeah, no, I I also found some nettle. Let's make a nettle soup, you know, like things like that. And, and if you have people you trust, you know, like have this spaces for opening up and and for me it's also a lot of I'm a feeler like uh, connecting to the heart mm -hmm. and yeah so if, if you feel like if it's not weird or strange you can sit by a favorite you know tree or plant in your garden and start to you know open your heart and see and see what because I feel that's that's how I get a lot of the messages and information yeah. sometimes I think I'm forcing it but it's like I'm sitting here with this plant and I just you know want to say like you know thank you and being in, in reciprocity but you know it's like from the heart and I, I I wanted to go a step further but maybe we can leave it here because there's Stephen Harrod Buner and he's he's talking a lot about this like opening the heart and opening he, what he calls the sensory gating channels you know places where we can feel mm. and that's how we connect kind of you know mm -hmm. Because because we are, if you think about it, we are part, I mean, like there's the birds and the trees and, and then it's us, but, but we are, you know, part of that web of life. So it's like we've, we don't know how to, how to communicate, but, but there's communication happening all the time. Uh -huh. So, yes. And his name was Stephen, did you say Stephen Buner? Is that it? Harold Buner, yeah. Okay, okay. I'll make sure I get that from you and put that in the show notes too, for those of you that are curious. Mm. Mm. Well, if you're still up for it, so Joanna and I talked about this before we started recording, but um, I'd ask if she would, you know, gift us with a song to, to send us off. And if you're still feeling that, I would, I would love to have you do that. Hmm. Yes. So you want to tell us about yes. the song? Like what's the, tell us about the song you're going to sing for us. Hmm. This song is called Ave Maria. It's a, it's a song I used to sing in church. And I remember also like always like Mary's songs were so, I don't know, full of this, you know, like emotion, like, you know, when singing to Mary. 
I would always almost like cry and I didn't understand why it's like, you know, the mother and this relationship with the mother. So this song speaks about our relationship, my relationship or your relationship with her and how we kind of forget, but we're coming back. And you know, it's like, Ave Maria, listen to me. You know that I love you. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of reclaiming this song as to, you know, like I, I have forgotten about these songs and many of the songs I used to sing in the choir when I had that split, remember we talked about it. It's like, you know, I'm done with this life. And I remember when I, when we first talked, I told you like, it's for me difficult to connect again with Mary. And this summer I've been working again with Rose and I felt that she came back to, you know, to tell me that, yeah, Mary is, you know, she's like a, the lineage of the divine feminine that has survived, you know, all these layers of patriarchy and yes, yes, colonialism of our spirituality. Yes, there's the version that the church has given us, and then there's there's who she is, and those things to me are actually very different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And remember when when I, I I think it was on the Facebook group we talked about this, you know. And I was like, hmm, but I'm not yes. there yet, but now I'm there, you know, it's like singing this song and kind of, yeah, re, re, reconnecting with that part of, of the divine and that part of my divine. So mm. yeah, I would like to share it and we can share the lyrics this in Spanish, but just, you know, sit and relax and take it in and see how you you feel mm-hmm. so i'll go ahead and take them <laughs> so this is my drum and this is i always start with my heart to the heart of the drum so to my intention and my intention is to reclaim you know, this sacred song of devotion to, yeah, to Mary and to the sacred feminine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> que hace el tiempo que te tengo en el olvido que ni rezo ni me acuerdo de llevarte rosas rojas al altar es verdad que te nombre no lo digo desde niña, pero ahora yo necesito que me ayudes y que olvides lo que sí. 
I was sitting here looking at, you can't see it on my camera for those of you who are watching as opposed to listening, but right across from my computer is this beautiful hand-painted little plaque with Guadalupe, and which of course is you know, connected to the Virgin Mary as well as the indigenous Mexican goddess Donancin, and um and I'm holding in my hand a little chaplet that one of my podcast guests gave to me, um, my Threi Meliana, who was on the show last year and in 2021, and she went to Metagorgy, where there's been an apparition of the Virgin Mary's scene, and so she brought a little chaplet. So I don't know, it's just very, just feeling all kinds of wrapped in divine feminine love. So thank you for that so much. Mm. Mm-hmm. Thank you for yeah, holding the space for that. Yes, and thank you for sharing your wisdom and your beautiful heart with us. This is so special. Yeah. Mm. 
And um, I want to thank all of you listeners, too, as always, for being here. And um, Joanna mentioned the Facebook group. If you're on Facebook, if you're not, I understand. It's a wild place to be sometimes, but um, there's a Facebook group called Home to Her. So if you want to engage in more divine feminine wisdom and insights and be in community with others, you can come and find us there. And um, yeah, thanks as always for being here. If you like the show, you can subscribe. You can leave it a five-star review. You can tell all your friends about it. If you're listening, you can find the episodes on YouTube if you want to watch and just see what we look like. And um, I'll be sure to put some of the things we talked about in the show notes too. So if you've got questions, you can you can check them out. And until next time, take good care. Home to Her is hosted by me, Liz Kelly. You can visit me online at hometoher.com where you can find show notes and other episodes. You can read articles about the sacred feminine And you'll also find a link to join the Home to Her Facebook group for lots more discussion and exploration of her. You can also follow me on Instagram at Home to Her to keep up to date with the latest episodes. Thanks so much for joining us and we'll see you back here soon.